Hello and welcome to Faking It, a book club podcast in which I sit down with some very good friends and we talk about a book that we have read. My name is Chinti, and when are you going to give me some time to read some books at the library? also back. Hey, don't steal my catchphrase. <laughs> this is the weakest catchphrase. Well, and, the, yet you the... <laughs> and yet you stole it. Calm <laughs> down. <laughs> calm down, both of you. You have to be so calm. I am Mr. Finch. I am from Detroit. <laughs> I hear a Transylvanian. <laughs> I think he sounds Indian. <laughs> Have you emigrated to Detroit, Mr. Finch? Well, you know that Detroit is originally uh, originated from the French word Detroit, which means of three. I'm not sure why they named it that, though. It's because I come from three different countries. <laughs> so you wait. So you named it after yourself being from three different countries. You named the city of Detroit after yourself being from three different countries. Well, no, it was a simple, pure fit for me to to go to there. What What's it then? Is it Welsh? It's, uh, well, what, what are the other two that you think they are? German? German. Oh, very astute connection of you. <laughs> yes. I was in the SAS, you see. Oh, so you're from Britain? Originally, before I was, after I was born. No, don't, no. Oh, no wait, 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 okay, wait, wait. Let's, um, nip this in the bud right now, okay? I don't want, we could, we're gonna ask him just this once when he was born. <laughs> But there will be no follow-up questions relating to his age. When okay. was I born? Yeah, when yeah. were you born? But I'm no follow-up. Fifty-eight. Follow-ups. Okay, I'll accept that. I'll That's accept not that. a year. I'm fifty-eight. <laughs> I was right, born so in nineteen fifties. Well, that'd be nineteen sixty. Yeah. I suppose you could be born in nineteen fifty-nine and your birthday. Nineteen fifty-nine be... <laughs> on December the thirtieth. I mean, oh. we've spent way too much time on this subject already. But thank and you very so much. You're from. You were born in Britain. I, no, I was moved to Britain after. And you're from Germany. After as well. I was born, I was born before I moved here. But I'm now. I don't live here. I'm just here for my friend has a podcast here. Ah, okay. See, I'm from Detroit. I teach children. Okay. And who's your friend? Is it Chin? Is Stephen Koenig? Oh, oh, that guy. Steve. Okay, all right. Stephen Koenig. I mean, what podcast of Steve's were you going to be on? Oh, the abortion van. <laughs> What? what? Who, are, who are the other guests? Uh, Terry Vogan. <laughs> Terry Vogan. He's been dead for a few years. Is it like a recording? Michael Jackson. <laughs> and the Queen Mother. Okay. <laughs> well, you know what? I, having said that, I mean, it's good to know that Steve is finally getting a woman on his abortion podcast. A dead woman, but a woman nonetheless. Uh, good to know that he's diversifying. Um, well, I wonder what the Queen Mother's opinions on abortion actually were. Probably oh. not pro. Probably not. I mean, I don't think she... I can't imagine her being particularly uh, a hardliner when it comes to abortion. She had quite a few kids. Mm. 
You know? I wonder what the Queen thinks about abortion. Again, I don't think... Uh... Not really relevant. <laughs> I, I look forward to the podcast. So what do you do, Mr. Finch? I'm a teacher of children. What, primary school? Or... Te- I teach uh, underprivileged inner-city youths in Detroit and try to elevate them by teaching them all about the wonders of British World War One poetry that I learned when in the SAS. <laughs> but I am a PE teacher as well. Is that like one of the set texts in the SAS? Uh, World War One poetry? Yes, a lot of Rudyard Kipling. Well, I mean, uh, oh, okay. I mean, I, I mean, one of the uh, most famous uh, facets of World War One poetry is that it's all pretty anti-war and bemoaning the fact that of the, that these young men are about to be sent off to their deaths. I find it odd that the SAS would use that as your like. In- oh, the SAS, we are terribly anti-war. <laughs> We're French now. <laughs> I <laughs> said I was country. from D three countries, <laughs> detached countries, France, another place. Uh, <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> So wait, you were saying about the SAS being like... We don't like going to war. We don't like war. No, we're mostly like hanging out in swamps. But you're so good at it. (laughs) We go to the swamp and we carry large amounts of equipment through the swamp. And you black up. We we put... uh, Yeah, I haven't done it now in what... Oh God, it's got to be served. D minus four years. Okay. Yeah. I use German speech for numbers. <laughs> That's fine. Um, we're here to discuss the beloved Ian Fleming novel, Goldfinger. Now, I so- know that guy. Do you, the guy? You know the guy? Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. He was... Um, actually, we'll get to this. We'll get to this because um, a lot of people just hear the name Goldfinger and immediately assume... Uh, we're talking about the fictionalised uh, Bond villain, um, which we will be talking about today. But um, what many people didn't know is that Goldfinger was based on a real-life person. Um, he was an architect. Is his name Josh Bellman? No, no I've just no. told you. His name was Goldfinger. His name was... <laughs> I actually told you. His name was Goldfinger. Um, his name his was... His name was Goldfinger. Uh, no, yeah, his surname was Goldfinger. There's no... I know Goldfinger. He designs the Trellick Tower in Paddington. Did he? Near Paddington, yeah. He's a modernist icon. I teach all of my small Detroit childs about that. So you teach your small Detroit children World War One poetry and the buildings of London. Yes, keep up, Dan. Keep up. <laughs> <laughs> Only modernist icons, though. Uh, do you know what? You being friends with Steve Koenig makes so much sense. Really? Because... <laughs> It's still not really coming together for me. I'm I'm not sure how they met. I'm not sure what what they have in common, apart from the fact that they like to hang out and talk about abortions, presumably. <laughs> um, but other than that, that's the only thing they have in common. Only professionally, apparently. Uh, apparently, yes. Only professionally. What time. do you and Steve talk about? Oh, you know, all sorts of things. We uh, talk about topiary. Talk about about basketball scores from the 1970s. We learned all of them, and then we just test it on each other. Oh, what was Chicago Bulls versus... Chicago Bulls versus... Lakers. Lakers. Uh, Which one? The second... Bulls uh, Bulls at home or Lakers at home? Bulls at home. Bulls at home. 22 to 84. (laughs) Okay, that's good. Also, I I, I, I enjoy how, like, um, when we questioned you about, like, what what good friends you are, you prove what good friends you are by listing the really ridiculously specific conversation topics (laughs) that you have with each other. But, um, look... Uh, let's get to the book, 
shall we? Um, I'm glad you're friends with Steve, even though Steve, even when Steve isn't on the podcast, hijacking things, he's got friends on the show hijacking things. That's good. Um, I want to open up with one question. Uh, does James Bond strike you as a more realistic character in the book compared to the film? And does the story of Goldfinger seem more realistic and grounded? I think in the book he, he does feel much more grounded. In the film he's a kind of a crazy man. There's a certain genre of man, mid-40s, father of two, who every time he seems James Bond's just immediately kind of explodes in his pants. And the film is too <laughs> is that because Is that a gadget? Yeah, the, the explode in the pants gadget. <laughs> Q, why did you give me this? <laughs> what, what purpose does this serve? Um, whereas in the book he, he feels more like not he's more flawed I feel okay whereas in the films he's he's just too much of a fantasy archetype okay so you think that like um it's um the the movies probably predictably up the whole wish fulfillment aspect of yeah it. exactly whereas in the book he seems more of a like a, a, a he's he's there to do a job he's a, a spy guy um, yeah um Alice what do you think do you I mean have you seen the movie Goldfinger no. And, but you've but I've seen James Bond films, I just haven't seen Goldfinger. Um, <clears throat> did, did, you, did Goldfinger the book then strike you as being realistic at all? Um, yeah, I couldn't help but read all of James Bond's dialogue in Sean Connery's voice. Yeah, but that, was, that was weird. I thought it was a typo at first. Like, all the S's. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. 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 Sure, I'll have a drink, please. Yeah. Somebody stop me! Smoking! Remember that bit? Yes. Oh, sorry. The bit with the mask. Yeah, I love that bit. It was really good. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So, so we moved on from mm-hmm. like, the, the the realism aspect. Uh, I I mean, I, I want to throw this by you. Like the idea to uh, that Goldfinger's part, Operation Grand Slam, which is to steal all the gold. Operation Grand Slam. Grand Slam. That's right. Which is to win. Every single match in the rugby sickness exchange. Yeah. Is that realistic? <laughs> well, he's just one man. I don't think he's going to win every, well, exactly. every single one exactly. of the matches. Why? I mean, and also, doesn't have a lot to do with his name, Goldfinger. Really, <laughs> no, it doesn't. It? Nothing it's to like, do with it. I think this is in the book. If you read between the lines, you really get to begin to see how Auric Goldfinger. That's the other thing. His name's Auric, which is another word for gold. So they basically called him Goldie Goldfinger. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so like, uh, do you think that Goldfinger is a realistic villain then, uh, with understandable motivations and, and psychology? He loves gold. Who doesn't love gold? He loves only gold, as the song goes. Um, yeah, but that's a bit much, isn't it? He's laying it on a bit thick. Your name's Goldie Goldfinger. And you, you like gold. You like gold. And I mean, it's like, it, it sounds a bit thin for a character. But you love tea. Like, imagine if somebody came and, on the podcast. And you love chins. It's, well, th- those those are all incidental. They, I don't make it as part of my identity. I haven't created this. If, I, if I'd if i made a podcast, for example, which was all about chins and teas, you might have said, like, my name's Chinti, and this is the Chinti podcast where I talk about chins and teas. You'd be, you would have... You would have staged an intervention through 30 <laughs> episodes. Like a good podcast. But it, not much longevity, and you would. And I'm pretty sure my family would have staged an intervention 30 episodes ago. It wouldn't have gone this long. Who would you have on your Chill and Tea podcast? I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. I wouldn't have a character as thinly veiled as Goldfinger. Well, my name's Goldie Goldfinger, and I love gold, and that's all I'm going to talk about, and that's my whole entire hook. You'll never see anybody like that on this show, I can tell you that. Yeah, but what if you love gold so much, you change your name from Eric, could have been before, to Auric. Auric, yeah. No, but you, he changes it to Auric from Eric, because it sounds similar enough, but not so undissimilar, that he might 
not have gotten it if you might not have said that it was not the name that you had before. Is but <laughs> you say teach your classes. No, I'm not teaching you right now. I'm... Okay, Let, imagine this is a lesson and teach us about this. Oh, come on. Let's make I can't point. teach you about this. I just, look, I can only do <laughs> war poetry. And uh, modernist architecture. Modern, yes, but only modernist architecture through that is related in some way to war poetry. All right. Oh, okay. All right. Let 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 let's let Mr. Finch finish his points. I'm sure he was about to get somewhere with the name Eric and Auric and their similarities and why he wanted to change his name from Eric to Auric, even though I'm pretty sure he was called Auric from birth. Yes, but it, it's if your name was 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 uh, China, you could have and you loved Chin so much. <laughs> you might take one. You might go to the office where the man come and he says, "Hello, what is your name?" And you go, "My name is China, but I want to change to Chin, so I want to take a letter off the end of my name." He says, "Fill out the form," and then, and then you fill in out the form, and then now you love. You know how many you love Chin. Mm. Mm-hmm. And now you get to be called that of which you love so much because you might not. Why do you love chins? So I, I mean, I, I love. I, if, if that happened, it would also be a case of like, I love chins so much that my name already kind of made sense. China tea, why change that? That makes sense. And then I disrupted it by saying chin tea, which is not a thing that exists. Yeah. Uh, but China tea is a thing that exists. Why, why do you love chins so much? Well, I've always been in possession of one. Uh, yeah, most and, people are, And I'm, 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 I like accumulating them as well. I'm trying to get at least a second one going. Uh, <laughs> and uh, let's see if I get the third by the, before I'm 50. That'd be great. Um, I'm 58. <laughs> yeah. You've got zero chins, almost. I have no chins. I'm very slim. You're a chinless man. Do you know what was written in 1959? Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Yes, that's very true. Goldfinger. Wow. Goldfinger. So good. So thank you, because I could see where this conversation is going <laughs> from the whole back and forth of like, I have no chins, and you're a chinless man. And I thought, this is fucking death. But Let's end this now. My point, now. my point stands though, because you could go to the office and you could say to somebody, you could go to them and you could say hello, like say for example, who are you? What's your, you are Daniel. Daniel, yeah. Okay, so say you really like beer. You could go and you say hello, my name is Daniel, but I want to change my name to beer. <laughs> because I like it so much. And then I'd be called beer often. Because I drink beer often. Completely plausible. Okay, so you're saying that Goldfinger changed his own name to Auric Goldfinger because he loved gold. Is that your reading of the book? I, I don't understand why this is such so incredulous. In a movie, I'm not so in a movie that was made after from it, this is even less plausible than the book that was so no, plausible no, no. before. You you misunderstand. Somebody changed their names, not plausible, because nobody ever has changed their name. You know. <laughs> The mi- you, um, you misunderstand me. You misunderstand me. I'm not no, calling that question. You misunderstand you. I don't, I don't think I do. I don't think I do. You do. It's death of the author. We can interpret different things in your I, own I, not, like, This is absolutely fine. <laughs> what, but I'm not the author. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> so, the author. Why, why are you questioning me? You're the author <laughs> of your... I can write this. I'm just saying that at why no point... Why did you write such a bad book, Chip? <laughs> and now you change your name to Arthur. I'm just saying that at no point in the book does anybody go up to Goldfinger and say, so Golf, your name's Auric Goldfinger and you want to steal all the gold. That's a bit... 
on the nose, isn't it? Nobody ever, ever points out the fact, like, oh, so his name's Goldfinger, and he likes stealing gold. In the same way that nobody in Silence of the Land says, so his name's Hannibal, and he's also a cannibal. I don't understand how this is stuck on this. If you really like to eat people, maybe I'm you go saying, to I'm the just... office. You go to the office and you go, mm, so my name, you, so I just that... love to eat men and women. So your theory is that Hannibal Lecter changed his name from Robert Lecter to Hannibal because he's like, oh, I do eat people. Maybe I should try and get double down that. And he went to the naming office and said, I'd like to change my name to Cannibal Lecter. Uh, that doesn't really make sense. What yes. about Hannibal? Sounds like cannibal. Oh, that's much better. Oh yeah, yeah. Call me, call me Hannibal Lecter. Well, this is very common in uh in in the countries like in in Latvia, Estonia, and and Lithuania, which is where Hannibal was from. Was he from Lithuania? No, he's from um, Lithuania. I was thought he was German. Gujalit. Gujal, that boy. Okay, all right. He's not German. Well, what's we, okay, what's we good? What, like, we, we hit on, so, uh, so, on something here that's quite fairly interesting, this idea of all these villains, famous villains, who have, like, uh, names that are really on the nose. Yeah. Um, and nobody ever calls them out on it in the book. I would say that's one thing that sort of trips up the realism. Skeletor. Yes. He's a skeleton man. He's, he's called Skeletor. He just got rid of the N and swapped it out with an R. That's but maybe he it. really liked skeletons and then he, he made his face look like skeleton. He went to the office and, and he, he said, went, said to the man, I, I want to be called Skeleton. I want to be called Skeletor because I like No, no, he skele- said he, his first word, call me Skeleton. And the guy says, what about Skeletor? Oh, that's much better. A bit like Hannibal and Cannibal. He's like, you can't call yourself Skeleton. Too, too many call on yourself the nose. Skeletor. Yeah. Too many on the nose. Yeah, disguise it a bit. I think. I think you, it, it, maybe it might be the same sort of situation here. Um, I would say that the only thing that stops uh, Goldfinger, the book, from being a completely realistic rendering is that nobody ever points this out to Goldfinger. Maybe they do, but just behind the scenes. <laughs> the certain deleted. Like scene. when's because Bond's interactions with them are relatively limited. You don't see quite. A, you don't see Goldfinger going about his day to day life. No, that's true. You see Bond's interactions with him. Bond's trying to stop him. It'd be a bit weird if Bond, in the middle of a struggle, was like, by the way! Has anybody said said that your name's a bit on the nose? A bit on the nose, man. Why don't you try and steal all the uranium? It's true. A lot of it's on the nose, isn't it? Like, my name's Goldfinger, Auric Goldfinger. I like, uh, I, I, I like gold a lot. Uh, I'm being fingered. um, Please take a seat. Do you need anything? Like a drink or anything? I've got a man who will sort out anything you need. His name's Odd Job. (laughs) He does all of the miscellaneous tasks around the the complex. Your interpretation of Odd Job's name is that he loved doing little tasks. (laughs) Not like big tasks, just like all the little bits that he'd been doing. So he went to the naming office. Yeah, so you. And it all happened the same day. The naming office guy was like, wow, what's going on today? What a weird day it's been. I've, got, I've had a guy who likes eating people. I've had a guy... Well, that's how Hannibal's in the same universe. A guy drove up to me in a, in a, in a golden cart, wearing a golden jacket. and said, excuse me, my name is John Smith, but I've been thinking of changing it to... Oh, sorry, it was Eric Smith, wasn't it? Eric, Eric Smith. Eric Goldfinger. <laughs> Oh, so his surname was already Goldfinger. That was just coincidence. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I can't believe how this is stuck on the name. I thought that was the most (laughs) credulous part of this whole, whole, whole tale. I, I, I had trouble with it. I had trouble with it. You have, you have very bad trust issues. (laughs) 
It's true. It's true. I've been hurt by many books in the past, and whenever I, I read a new book, I'm always on my guard for little like uh, issues like this. Um, let's let's move on to the next topic. I want to bring up the uh, an, another character with an interesting name. What do you make of the character of Pussy Galore? Uh, Pussy Gay Lord. <laughs> She's a, a lesbian. Is that like? Is that why she? Is she got a naming office as well? <laughs> I like uh, I like pussy. <laughs> Maybe I should change my name from uh, Griselda to to Pussy Gaylord. I don't. I, I, have we going to get stuck on the same thing again? She, I can't was believe. She, was she behind Eric Goldfinger in the queue that day? <laughs> I think Pussy Galore. Like I think Pussy. Someone's bullying her. Someone's slut shaming her. And rather than accept the the, you know when you're being bullied and people are like okay. oh just just accept it make turn it into yeah. a joke that you're a fan of so she's just done that she's reappropriating yeah. reappropriating it like various marginalised communities like done. the n-word like the n-word exactly yeah. like the n-word it's exactly the same thing yeah. so she went to the naming office and said I'd like to be change my name to n-word galore <laughs> no don't do that <laughs> no 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 I don't, don't do that galore. but I think so, I don't the thing I don't understand that you don't understand what is why is is they are all in the same team. They are all in the same house. Well, they, well clearly they all Maybe, met at the naming office, didn't they? No, but they didn't. They they decided they met on a cruise ship or something. I don't know <laughs> wherever they met, and they said, "Hey, we should all be named after things <laughs> that we really like because it seems like we all really like different so things." James Bond, he liked. He liked uh, the deeds Bond, to so. no. He liked deeds to different pieces of land and, and <laughs> wait, hold on a second. This is this and just... the band James, <laughs> <laughs> the nineties Britpop band James. So wait, isn't this isn't this literally the um, the same plot of the Justice League movie? They all met up on the cruise. It's like I like I, I like superintendents and men. That's why yeah. I'm Superman. <laughs> Aquaman likes the nineties. Europop and men and I like bats and men. Wonder Woman like that film that came out last year yeah, called Wonder. Wonder with Owen Wilson in and, and women, women. <laughs> they all like but, and the Flash well we don't really need to know why he was named what, he likes what he the likes. band the and exposing himself to people. Okay, only, right. only the band the the only exposes himself to the band the. I don't understand why we're still talking about the names of all the characters. It's, Batman? It's like, no, we're covering the covered like, oh, like baseball bats. Likes, yeah, I like bats and I like men. Um, okay. Good. But so, yes. Um, so, uh, so works. Okay, so let's move on from the, the name thing. Okay. Ha ha, Pussy Galore. We get it. We get it. Okay. Uh, what do you think of Pussy Galore in terms of being a Bond girl? Now, uh, when I say the words Bond girl, you probably have an idea in your head of what a Bond girl is meant to be. There are usually two of them. One of them is like uh, meant to be disposable, and one of them is meant to be the one that he gets together with. Um, now, Pussy Galore in the movie, at the very least, she's the one that um, that James Bond gets on with, and she's not a traditional idea of a Bond girl in some ways. Um, she's a lot more. Um, uh, she's not really a damsel in distress. She's a pilot. And she's actually one of the bad guys to start off with. Um, and in the book, it takes it one step further. She's a lesbian. She's actually a lesbian. And it brings up an uncomfortable connotation of James Bond sleeping with her 
because saying basically saying like that's how good at sex James Bond is. He can make a lesbian into a straight woman. Mm, it's very male fantasy, isn't it's it? It's incredibly male fantasy. Um, I mean, what do you, what, so what do you think of Pussy Galore in terms of like a, 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 a whether she stand in the Bond girl canon? Um, I mean, Alice, what do you th- do you think of like a Bond girl as the whole concept of Bond girls in the first place? Oh, I think it's terrible. Mm. I. Um... The women are just so submissive to James Bond. He literally just says, Shallow. And then they're suddenly naked. Mm. Mm. Um, and I think it's awful, to be honest. I mean... He just literally... I remember watching one, the one of Daniel Craig ones, and he just like... He goes into a room and he's not meant to be in there. And the woman's like asleep in the bed or something. She's having a shower. That's, yeah, that's it. it. Yeah, yeah. And then she comes out and he's just there. And then they just bang. Yeah, that's uh, Skyfall, I believe. Skyfall. Yeah. Again, maybe somebody should have stopped him like, uh, at that point. <laughs> hey, somebody shagged me. <laughs> I'm James Bond. Smoking. I'm going to shag her. <laughs> he was the spy who shagged her. <laughs> bit on the nose <laughs> but yes very true I, look it's, 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 it's what you say is right that like um, I think the idea that like we, I, I guess the only defence is, is that it's not really that much of a defence because of the idea that he's James Bond he's meant to be shecked on legs so like any all the women are meant to fall in love with James Bond so it's never really an issue of like mm. um, of course James Bond's going to sleep there he just has to turn up that's all he has to do I think it's taking it a bit far, though, where a woman who's professed herself to be... Again, this wasn't in the movie, but it's in the book. It's very clearly said that Pussy Galore is gay. That's because that's we're in the naming office. Yes, Pussy... Yes, exactly. We know this. That's how they all met. That's how they all met. That odd job, Goldfinger and Pussy Galore all met and said, hey, we should totally form an evil team together. Uh, the naming office was on the cruise as well, which was even weirder. Um, but they wouldn't let Hannibal Lecter like, uh, no. join, unfortunately. But yeah, no, like, I, I don't think... But she still doesn't conform to that idea, though, of the submissive Bond girl. Uh, uh, I, I, I think she's kind of an exciting character. Don't, what, what did you say, uh, Mr. Finch? It reminds me of a Kevin uh, Smith for, film with Ben Affleck in it. Ch- uh, Chasing Amy? Chasing Amy. Ah, uh, yes. Chasing Amy where Mr. Affleck... Bartman. Mm-hmm. Also, he goes to get this girl Amy, who's who thinks she's gay, and she makes her go to not gay. Mm. But I remember that. Film. I think James Bond is even gooder looking than than Bannerflick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's much better. Okay, but I think you're forgetting one thing, which is that Bannerflick <laughs> was a cartoonist, and he's not a secret agent spy guy. Yeah, no, yeah, so that's less sexy. That's yeah, not yeah, as yeah. sexy. So, because so no one's trying to kill him. No one exactly. tries to kill a cartoon man. So, everybody tries to kill a, that, So, you think what makes. A man who's so you make, his car pushed. So, you think that the thing that makes James Bond sexy is that he's always about to die. That's part of the pickup artist uh, way of sleeping with women. In some You've got to oh. neg them, lower their confidence. Right. You've got to uh, then initiate contact mm-hmm. and then you've got to have someone come over and threaten your life or be terminally ill <laughs> or be terminally ill yeah. yeah just be seconds away from death at all times no no terminal illness isn't sexy it's only external factors trying to kill you that's sexy okay alright I mean like there's so many times when James Bond is very it's like death though it's like on Amazon on Black Friday when they show a deal there's only an hour left on the deal 
You go, oh, I might buy this quickly. Quick, buy, the, quickly. buy this jam sponge. If you go up to a woman and you're like, a man's going to shoot me in an hour. Mm. She's like, well, if I'm going to sleep with him, I'm going to do it quickly. So she will be more likely to sleep with you because of the rush mm-hmm. factor. Mm-hmm. And that's probably she's why, rushed. That's probably why James Bond always dispenses those tickets with the number on it. Like, uh, yeah, so like, he's like a deli. Yeah, exactly. So please, <laughs> dick so, deli. Yeah. You got you, you got thirty seconds. <laughs> I just take a ticket and just wait over there, please. Well, this kind of leads me into my next question, I guess, um, which is like um, one of the things that Ian Fleming does a lot in this. Uh, in his books, is that he loves cliffhangers. I mean, well, how do you think, like, um, um, Fleming uses cliffhangers to keep you reading uh, Goldfinger? Every sentence is a bloody cliffhanger. Mm, mm, mm. I've no idea what's going to happen. What, what examples do you, you think um, of? He got into a car. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen in the next sentence? <laughs> it's true. I, I, I did find myself thinking, like... Uh, Might uh, someone pushed a car? <laughs> In, in this direction and that direction which where's he going to go where's he going to drive to yeah um, I was thinking of a more specific um, cliffhanger myself though which one it's the famous one um, where um, Goldfinger actually has a James Bond caption right and he's about to cut him in half with a circular saw in the movie he's about to be like lasered uh, mm. right up the middle and uh, inefficient mm. well both of them are, it's questionable how efficient either of them are because Bond, he doesn't do it like immediately. He could have just shot him in the head, but like, yeah. you know, he has to make a big show of it. And Bond, in the book, the chapter ends with Bond basically saying, I, I'll work for you, Goldfinger, because um, he doesn't want to die. I'll cut a deal with you, Goldfinger. I'll change sides. I decided that I'm not going to bring you in now to justice. Uh, let me work for you and don't kill me. And then he blacks out. Now, Bond, Bond loses consciousness in the book. And... Uh, just after promising Goldfinger that he'll work for him um, as he's bargaining desperately. And the chapter ends. Now, I get it. We all want to know, like, what happens next. But we kind of know what's going to happen next. I mean, Bond obviously survives. He's yeah. not going to be cut for the circular sword because we know from the fact there's still loads of pages left in the book that Bond is, is still alive. Unless the book takes a really crazy twist and Bond does die. And we spend the rest of this James Bond book following a completely random person, or just following Orrick Goldfinger as he wins. Yeah, Goldfinger goes off, steals all the gold, and he just retires to an island. And the the book ends with Goldfinger on the on the cruise with Pussy Galore. Everybody's had that idea. Adele sings a song that's like. (laughs) Let the gold finger. Adele didn't do the song. The gold finger. That is pretty much the Shirley Bassey song as well, but happy this time, like uh, the gold finger victory theme. I mean, what do you think? This is a cheap ploy by Fleming to get like readers to keep turning pages, even though it kind of you kind of expect. But he did it in installments, so that would have. Did he do it in installments? Their installments in the newspaper. It was serialized in the newspaper, but. It was originally published as a book, I believe. Um, 1959, published. And yes, it was serialised. But um, but it wasn't like a Dickensian kind of thing where like um, Dickens was writing stuff. Writing coming it out. at the time. And exactly. And he didn't know. I mean, yes, there was an aspect to like um, Fleming's writing where he didn't know where it would go or how it would end. But like, um, I don't know. It, it seems, it reminds me of those like, um, uh, uh, the, Funnily enough, of the the Goosebumps books, where mm. every chapter would end with like, and then I felt that hand land on my shoulder, and I slowly turned around in the darkness, and the next page would be like, and it was my mum, and that's it. Yeah. That's like every Goosebumps book. But my mum was a zombie. 
<laughs> yeah, then, and then my mum was a zombie, and she me, but she wasn't really. It was really my mum, seriously. She just was... drank too much prune juice. Yeah, and then she died, but she didn't die. <laughs> but yeah, that's a classic, that classic cliffhanger sort of like technique there. Um, What's um, your favourite ever cliffhanger? Oh, probably Sylvester Stallone's cliffhanger. Mm. Yeah, it was a literal and metaphorical cliffhanger that movie. What's your favourite cliffhanger? It's the end of the Italian job. Oh, oh, that's a, a good one. Yeah. Like was, okay, my name is Michael Kang. I got a plan. Don't move. Okay. What do you? How do you think he, they they solved that uh, that problem? That's an interesting one. I reckon <laughs> they um, they got a little rope and tied it around the thing and then pulled it towards them. They got they a little. Oh wait, wait, hold on. That's way too big. <laughs> There's so many steps that have to be like fulfilled. Like you're gonna like okay, let's let's paint the picture. Also, here. it's gold. So what they probably did is they let it fall to the ground with the gold in, and then went down to get it. And then they need to put them couldn't carry the gold. And also, they'd all have to jump off the bus at the yeah. same time. If one person got off, the rest of them would be doomed to the same fate. That's as the true. Gold. Maybe they should have got a rope. And tied it around the front so it wouldn't fall. Okay, again, another step there. Who gets the rope? Who's tying? And tied to what? I don't know. Exactly. Maybe they're still there to this day. <laughs> Just a bunch of skeletons. <laughs> no, not even the police decided. Best leave it. Best leave it. It became a little bit of a tourist attraction. And yeah. people just walked past <laughs> it. The police turn up and go, Ah, you look at the danger to do the touch of the ball, huh? I don't know what you said, but yeah, that sounds plausible. That's what the police would say in Italy. Mm, okay, all right. I, I, I accept that. I'm not sure what they're saying. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's something along the lines of, like, best leave it, boys. That's in effect. Okay, okay. So our solution to the Italian job is that don't do anything. Let them... Well, it's uh, unlivable... Unlivable? It's not. There's no solution. Yeah. I bet some mathematician nerd has done a solution to it. Well, apparently somebody wrote a screenplay that was a sequel to it that never got made. Ah. Yeah. Apparently the the first scene of it would have been, it would have taken seconds after that. So hold on, boys. I've I've got an idea. And then a big helicopter appears. Ah. That's that's not the idea. No, no. Apparently it's the mafia. The mafia catch up with them and then they have to do another Italian job to pay off the mafia that they ripped off. They do a Latvian job. Yeah. With Hannibal Lecter? No, that's this, no, that's my home country. <laughs> Hannibal Lecter is living already in America at this point. Your home country is Latvia. It's one of my three or some countries. <laughs> oh, right, I thought you were from France, Germany, and Britain. France, Germany, and and Latvia. I don't know why this is so difficult, even in the name of the city where I live. I grew up in Brighton, <laughs> in the SAS. You grew up in the SAS. Yeah. You were in the SAS as a young boy. Oh, yeah, I was the first youngest boy to ever go into the SAS. What's the SAS stand for? Uh, so, and so. <laughs> so and so. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> so, and so, so. Then, so, wait, they were the armed forces group called the so-and-so. He never said he was in the armed forces, SES. Maybe he was just in a group called the so-and-so. No, I, I think... I, I, Sounds like a Britpop band. It's like, oh, we've got a terrorist organisation, the IRA, are holding Margaret Thatcher hostage. Better send in the so-and-sos. But this was, this was just to be able to claim ultimate plausible deniability. Why? 
How does that follow? You don't want everybody to be able to to say, look, it says here in the, the minutes from these meetings, we said send in so and so, because this you, there's always you can always say, oh, I didn't know who that was, I didn't know that was the real thing. I was just using the affect, the general affect. But yeah, but everybody knows who the SAS are. <laughs> like, yeah, they really identify yourself. You're talking about plausible deniability. Deniability. So like they're saying, like they could have been sending in the SAS, or they could have been sending in just some guys. That is so and so. But doesn't that doesn't the important thing is not who they're sending in? It's the fact that they're sending somebody in the first place. No, we don't know who they're sending in. There could be an aidman. An aidman. Yes. <laughs> What's that? Wait, hold man on. who has a, a nice tray of casserole I or something see. to aid the situation. <laughs> so, oh god, a uh, waiter. <laughs> so wait, okay, okay. He has a tray of casseroles. He made it in an original big casserole, but then poured it into a tray because his housemate maybe needed to use the casserole. <laughs> Put it into sounds the tray. Very, it sounds Wait, like a he very made small it, balls on he a tray. He made it at home. This sounds like a very specific lived-in example that you've right. given. So, one, one second. So, we're sending in the guy with the casserole. That we're dealing with the Libyan hostage crisis. Yes. We sent in the SES, but we could have sent in a guy with a load of casserole. <laughs> I don't, don't know. It's true, it's true. That's like, those are the only options available to us at the time. And both seem equally as plausible as the other. Either we send in the so-and-sos, who are our secret crack team of terrorist <laughs> retaliation force. Right? Or we could just send in some random guy with a casserole. Who knows what history would have like said? I leave it to you. It's open to interpretation. And we get, we only know that because we use a clever appellation of the so-and-sos. Send in so-and-so. Has there ever been the case where people got confused and the guy with the casserole actually got sent in by mistake instead of you? No, I am the guy with the casserole. <laughs> <laughs> So your oh, yeah. job in the SES was to be the plausible deniability casserole guy. What? So did you turn up? So did you turn up at like a hostage situation and just went casserole, casserole, everybody? And the terrorists presumably were so confused they gave up. But it's not even involved. It's just on a train. That's exactly why they gave up. They were so confused by the sight of casserole and tray. And he said, oh, these guys are never going to negotiate with us. They don't care. They don't care. They don't care if we kill all the hostages. They eat casseroles out of trays. Like, there's no way we can do do business with them. Someone turned up at your house with a tray full of casserole. Not I would, I would, I would, some of the casserole. I would immediately assume that person's a psychopath and wouldn't let them in. And I would probably surrender to any terms that they would, that Mr. they have. Mitch, Mr. Mitch, what type of casserole did you make? Chicken casserole. Oh my oh, goodness. Chicken, chicken and leek? Or no. just chicken? Chicken and mushrooms. Oh, that's quite nice. Uh, but what you need to remember is that nobody is expecting that. It's like I'm. I was in my times in the in the say SAS in, with the so and sos. Nobody would be expecting me. So when we took over the Falkland Isles, the Argentinians were expecting armed. The Argentinians expected men with guns, and I just show up. Hello, how are you today? I came on a rowing boat. <laughs> Or from like America. <laughs> I came on a rowing boat down from Detroit. 
I go, hello, I come. And then I come in, and inside the casserole tray, this buried a gun. Right. And, no. I sh- and then you go, oh. and nobody expects the casserole delivery man. So I, so I come in. Like a delivery They guy. invite me in, and I'm like, hello, just here, allow me to. I put my hands in the casserole and whip out two guns, and I shoot them all in the room. So this again, I, I don't want to do this to you, but like this kind of like. So the choices were send in the crack counter terrorist force called the so and sos, or send in the crack terrorist guy with a casserole in with the guns. No, in the, the so and sos are me. Okay, <laughs> I am so and so. So, but where does the plausible deniability come into it? Then? <laughs> no, they're sending in a guy exactly. with a gun. Exactly. <laughs> Do you have to wear like plastic gloves? You don't burn your hand on the casserole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The casserole just looks hot, oh, but it's actually really cold. Uh, okay, it's part of the. This is part of the whole. Must like, be uh, a deep tray to be able to hide a gun. In. Oh, it's a. It's like a good, good sized tray. Yeah. Yeah. This is some serious sort of black ops kind of things going on here. But why like, can't you uh, just hide the gun in a pocket? <laughs> That's like, especially if you're rowing a boat, you'd have to keep the tray of casserole on your lap as you're rowing the boat. For the sea as well, like massive waves and stuff. I mean, also the Fondness Crisis was sold in about a week to row from Detroit. You're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. You must be an Olympic rower to be able to row from Detroit. I said I also teach physical education. I think think the rowing was because, like, to give them adequate time for the stew to cool down (laughs) by the time he got to the Falkland Islands. That stuff was piping hot before he got into the rowboat. Um, but okay, that's I don't I still don't know how that works into the plausible deniability <laughs> aspect of it. Yeah, it doesn't. It, no, exactly. Like if you said we send the so and sos, like a movie so and sos. Oh, it's a guy with a casserole. It's a casserole guy. <laughs> you want to go and hit the casserole? Okay, all right. We re- re- when we release the top secret documents to future generations and we look into it, they'll be wondering like who were the so and sos. Well, I what suppose the- so and sos <laughs> also a term just to mean any old person. I I get that. I get that. Now he understands. I get that. How is how is getting caught on names every single time? <laughs> but this you, is just ridiculous. But I don't you, know why why the name so of the team is. The they refer to them as the SAS. <laughs> you know the so and sos. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's why I don't think it's a very good case of plausible deniability. Because the official document. Because when you say when you say like SAS, you mean the so and sos. Like yeah, wink. What? What? You mean the guy with the Castron train with the gun in it? Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, that that guy. Just any old person, like a bloke off the street. But clearly not, because when the, when the, deniability when the guy with the Castron train turns up, it's a again. You Why have to plausible deniability to deal with terrorists anyway. No one's going back to the Libyan hostage crisis going, oh, why did he send in a military grade? <laughs> why did he send someone a military training to deal with this military organisation? The worst has been when I've made a mistake. Yes. And, then, and then people have asked the question, why did you send in a man with a casserole dish? <laughs> But you should have That's sent in the army soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> right, what well, other situations like that? Oh, this happened so many times. <laughs> um, in Afghanistan, this happened, where, where, where Tony Blair was made very gotten angry with. 
Is that it, really? I, normally I get the job done. That was probably his mistake, um, sending in a guy with casserole to deal with the Taliban, though. I don't think... Like, the Taliban uh, wouldn't have casserole. They wouldn't, they wouldn't. They don't, They don't like, cotton on to our tricks of, like, hiding guns and trays of casseroles, really. Uh, Surely by now people would know. If you're a terrorist, there'd be, like, some sort of memo they yeah. went around. They would look like, up for this man carrying a casserole tray. Turns up... <laughs> <laughs> my answer to the term like so and so or just casserole guy just like yeah just casserole guy or the aidman that's what he was an aidman originally he was an aidman hello just an aidman coming through I've come to bring casserole to the hostages <laughs> I've heard the hostages are getting a bit peckish wink What's the peckish a double meaning for? Because <laughs> a bird might peck. No, he's, he's very bad at keeping it on the down <laughs> Wink, why did you wink? No that. reason. Wink. <laughs> Nothing suspicious about this casserole at all. Oh, well, I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> yes. Um, thank you so much for that. Um, I always want to move to my last topic then. Um, I guess it... That doesn't... succinctly answered the third topic. I forgot what we were talking about. Oh yeah, cliffhangers. Yeah, that, that answered the question. Well, yeah, that, was, that, that answered that question. Um, final question, I think this dovetails neatly into our summar- summarising our thoughts on, on this book. Um, now, Anthony Burgess, writer of the uh, book um, A Clockwork Orange, um, wrote a book called 99 Novels, which listed the best novels in the English language since 1939. Uh, this book was written in 1984, by the way. The, the 99 Novels book, not <laughs> no, no, the book, yeah, 99 Novels was written in, 19, in 1984. But yeah, this Anthony Burgess wrote 99 Novels where he listed what he, he wrote th- a whole book that was just like a Tumblr list. Um, I mean, a bit more than that, but yeah, it's a, a critical essays and a critical appreciation. Uh, it wasn't a list. Just like a oh, Come on. <laughs> You millennials with your BuzzFeed list, you just think everything's a list these days, a listicle. 99 novels, 84 will surprise you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Um, but yes, okay, so he wrote this book, 99 novels, and he listed Goldfinger as one of the best novels in the English language since 1939. And this is what he wrote about it. Why 1939? I, I guess post-war, or rather pre-war. Pre-war. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know why either. It's a, hey, it seems Mr. Like an Finch, do you know why? Why, why nineteen thirty nine? Oh yes, just because um the war was was just starting up, he appeared was going to kill all of everyone, and it was a good point. <laughs> Sorry, what? What are you pro Hitler? <laughs> no, it's a good point in time. All right. Oh, what? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense either. Well, it was before Hitler killed everyone. Yeah. So it's good, oh. good time. So you needed to make sure that everyone was on on the table book. I guess I well it makes about as much sense. Why, as why are you asking me? I wasn't even alive. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Because you're an English teacher. No, I'm a I'm a World War One poetry teacher. I don't know why you didn't start it before the poetry. I mean, you're many things, Mister Finch. You are many <laughs> things, but um, many things to many different. I, people. I guess we we would defer to your knowledge. Um, let me finish what um like what uh Anthony Burgess said about Goldfinger. Um, it is unwise to disparage the well-made popular. There was a time when. Conan Doyle was ignored by literary analysts. Sorry. By, literary analysts. Yeah, by analysts, yeah. Even though Sherlock Holmes was evidently one of the great characters of fiction, we must beware of snobbishness. Do you agree with Anthony Burgess's assessment? And if is James Bond as great a character as Sherlock Holmes? And if he is, what makes him so great? 
And if he isn't, why isn't he so great? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I think he's not as good as Sherlock Holmes. Okay. I think Sherlock Holmes has got a friend called Watson. That's true. Bond doesn't. Um, he's got Felix Heiser. Yeah, that's true. Um, Bond, Sherlock Holmes has got a good catchphrase. Um, Bond, Bond has a catchphrase. Wait, what's, what's, is, is Sherlock Holmes' catchphrase the name's Holmes? <laughs> <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. And I'll have that martini stirred, but I'll shake him. No, the, the Sherlock Holmes says elementary Watson. He never actually says that, though. No, that's not actually so his catchphrase. what's his catchphrase? It's me, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> his catchphrase I've is... Sol- I've solved the case again. His catchphrase is, let the... Dumb. Suck my dick. His catchphrase is, let the murderer see the murder. Or let the hens see the chickens. I thought it was. The... Or let the. Uh, I can't even do. It's hot. Paddy McGuinness makes it. Let look the casserole than it actually roll. Is. <laughs> yeah, let the hostages. Let the, see casser- the casserole. Oh, yeah, let the casserole. Um, no, I thought it was the games of foot. Yeah, the games say foot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's a bit. It's not as good as the name's Bond, James Bond, though, is it? Yeah. License to kill. Okay, maybe James Bond is better. Shaken not... I mean, James Bond has several catchphrases. What's his beef with stirring martinis? Ah, uh, because <laughs> apparently it bruises the alcohol. It doesn't. Alcohol can't be bruised, mate. Mm, that's what he said in the book. Have you ever punched a bottle of wine? Yeah, bruise my hand. Not the alcohol. No, the, the wine changes colour. <laughs> is that how they get white wine? <laughs> punch a bottle of red wine. Okay, did you um, serve it in a tray before you punch it? I pour it out into a dish. <laughs> a punch bowl. And then to let it aerate. See, that was underrated, Dan. I like yeah, what you said. That was underrated, Dan. But yeah, no, I, I was too wrapped up in the, like, the different inappropriate receptacles that uh, Mr. Finch uses. What about you, mate? What about you, mate? <laughs> I guess, like, I'm just a real, like, I'm um, down to earth guy. I believe wine should go in a wine glass, not a dish. And I believe casserole should go in bowls, not a tray. You're an idiot. Well, I, I look, I, I, if we were to listen to you, we never would have gotten the, the, the victims of the, the 1940s sign. That's true. I accept that it would be harder to hide a gun inside a bowl of casserole. Um, but then, it was a brings up question of why to try to hide. Depends on the size of a gun. You could hide a bigger gun in a tray of casserole. Why are you trying to hide a gun in a glass of wine? No, a tray of casserole. I'm not trying to hide anything in a glass of wine. Um, Apart from my feelings. <laughs> yes, exactly. Nice one. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. Um, what do you think, Alice? Do you think? Um, what do you think of Goldfinger the book? What do you think of James Bond the character? Is he as good as Sherlock Holmes? Do you think Goldfinger is a great piece of literature? I prefer Sherlock Holmes because he doesn't have a, like a girlfriend and stuff. That's true. He's never. Yeah. Re- I mean, there's um, what's her name? Uh, well, so you think he's an eligible bachelor? Mm. No, he has that. I'm um, sort of like, well, they won't. I would with, feel um... more comfortable around Sherlock Holmes. Like he wasn't just gonna like do me. Yeah, that's true. Look, I mean, look at me and then make a pun about my name. Like, I guess I shagged the Alex Palace. That's a terrible pun. Yeah, but something like It'd that. It'd be Beast of Burden or something. Oh, we were the Beast with Two Backs. The Beast of Burden. Yeah, with Two Backs. With Two Backs. Also, James Bond doesn't do that. He doesn't shag somebody and then make a pun. He kills somebody and then he makes a pun. That'd be really insufferable. If, if he, he also punned after sex. That'd be really bad for him. What would be, if James Bond were to kill you, what pun would he make after your name? 
<laughs> oh, I guess you're like chins. It would be... <laughs> <laughs> so, after he shot me in the face, he's like, I guess he likes chins. Not very clever. I think, <laughs> like, I think it would be tea off. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad. Um, it, well, Dan, uh, Dan's would be... Oh, well, do you come here often? Oh, bang, bang, bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd wank me off. And <laughs> <laughs> um, Mr. Finch. Well, Mr. Finch is dead. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to, I want, I want there to be a, a James Bond film where he just says like a, oh, well, looks like I killed him. <laughs> I guess he's, you could say he's dead now because I shot him in the face. Well, I don't see the pun. <laughs> what would mine be? would be like, oh, somebody's fallen down the rabbit hole. <laughs> that doesn't... Uh, Alice, yeah. Oh, okay, Alice, yeah. You have to think about that one. Is I it think... too thinky? Yeah, I think also... Someone's <laughs> in Wonderland now. Also, who's he saying it to? Because that person's dead. Yeah. <laughs> He's saying it to oh, like, himself. you in The Looking Glass. <laughs> when I go home tonight and cry about all the people I've killed... <laughs> That's mm. really good. I like when James Bond made a cry on how many yes. murders yeah. he had done. I, I He's killed a lot of people. I, he, he is a murderer. He's he is a mass murderer. He, did it in a, he has a license. He's aspirational. Though. Men want to smell like James Bond, don't they? What, like B.O.? Like a murderer. Do you assume that James Bond smells of B.O.? What, do you ever see him showering? Yeah, when that's yeah, when he, he had sex. That's time that shower scene. <laughs> that was the first shower he ever had. Is that what you're saying? Skyfall was the first it's shower. It's all those um, pheromones that he has, and that's what the women like. He just smells like pure man. What, women what love if, alcoholic murderers. They love that smell. Yeah. What if James Bond had gone in and he just didn't know what a shower was? What is that water cascading down? What's she doing? What's this weird thing? It's a shower. Shower, you say? Which incarnation of James Bond was this you seem to have been played by Jimmy Stewart doing a, a, a scene oh, uh, James Bond! James Bond! <laughs> License to kill! Ah, why are you having that water cascading down your body? I don't understand. Now you sound like Steve Buscemi, Bill. I, that's a very bad Steve Buscemi. <laughs> it sounds like I've been doing a very bad impression of Steve Buscemi. It, well, terrible. Um, no, I, 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 I think Bond has had many showers and, and he keeps himself fistidiously clean. That's why he's was he keeps seen fisting in, himself. I, no, that's not what I was saying. Um, yeah, he's gold finger. <laughs> come on, come on. Brown finger. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, gold finger is when he puts finger up his urethra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gold finger is when you piss on someone and then finger them. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> really, just like scraping, like not even that clever anymore. No. Like, oh yeah. So I think it's somebody after I pissed on them. <laughs> yeah, but names for sexual acts are never that clever. <laughs> they're, they're usually cleverer than that. <laughs> like, they think it's like, oh, I've just pissed on them, uh, and then I fingered them. <laughs> like gold finger. <laughs> Brown Finger would have been a good uh, Austin Powers um, parody, but yeah. they went for Gold Member, which was not which as funny as Brown Finger. <laughs> Brown Finger, much funnier. The um, whole premise of Gold Member is he's got a golden penis. Weak. Very weak. Um, Mr. Finch, did you think of uh, that Gold Finger was a great work of literature? Do you think James Bond is one of the great characters of the English language? I do, you know, I really do. I mean, being in this world, having inhabited it a little bit of myself, 
I really think that he manages to get quite realistic with the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way the circular saw spins around. That's true. Circular saw spin around. But one of the things that I don't understand that should have done more better was um have a better reason for coming into these situations. Like he meets Goldenfinger on the golf course. Mm. Why golf? Why the golfing? Why? Well, you know what? That sounds suspiciously like you have suggestions on how you, this book could have been improved. I've got a list of different oh, things. I got good. eight different things that James Bond but could have met Goldfinger. I think doing. I'm getting. I'm which, getting. Which number will surprise us? Number six will surprise. <laughs> okay, well, I'm looking forward to that. But wait, 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 wait. I'm getting a feeling here that everybody liked this book. Is that correct? Yeah, I thought it was fun. Did we all like this book? Is it big thumbs up? Was it was it double O heaven or double no seven? Double no seven. Okay. All right. So it doesn't get into the Hall of Fame. I I thought this was a rip-roaring adventure. Classic ripping yarn of a man who loves gold. Uh, And ripping yarn. Yeah, yeah. It's a a story about how a straight man's so good at sex, he turned a woman not gay. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's that's, that's clearly something that we all need to read in the 21st century. Yeah. She could have been bisexual. She could have been. She's not. I think it's clearly implied that she... Basically, has no. Listen to this. This is from a letter that um, Fleming wrote. Wow, um, somebody's done some research for this uh, episode. Uh, um, to his nephew, I think, or somebody, whoever. (laughs) It was. Um, It was just. It was to Penthouse Magazine. Basically, somebody sent him a letter saying, "I didn't think that it was appropriate that James Bond turns pussy galore," and. Fleming replied saying, oh no, she only needed the right man to come along and perform the laying on of hands in order to cure her psychopathological malady. Jesus. Yeah, and he wrote that letter to The Economist. <laughs> didn't even ask. Sirs, <laughs> sirs, <laughs> read Pussy Galore in my book, Goldfinger. Can um, you be bi curious but like in reverse? So not very curious about being bi, is that what you're saying? <laughs> No. What? Okay. <laughs> By curious, but in reverse, that's just being straight. <laughs> yeah, but being gay, but a bit curious about straight sex. Yeah, so she leans heavily yeah. over. It's a spectrum. Yeah, I yeah. suppose so. You just don't hear much about that. That's a marginalised people. And you don't hear very many people who are called psychological, psychopathological. What was what was Fleming's son? It was a psychopathological malady. Oh, that's that is that's a good name for a Bond girl, though. <laughs> Okay, all right. <laughs> I, I I was gonna say like um, uh, Mr. Finch, you had some like um, you're raring to go for like um, some of these uh, yeah, raring to go, raring with, to with go. all that momentum that I had <laughs> building up, and we we got Let's... derailed again. But like um, as we know, <laughs> not back all, on that momentum. Not all books are uh, perfect. There's always room for improvement, and this is the bit of the show where we talk about how we could have improved the book that we read in the section that we call notes. Yeah. 
it's a bit, long, it's a bit longer now. But then this is to give people time to uh, think about their notes and what uh, they're going uh, to say. I was just about 30 seconds. Mm. 30 seconds. Yeah. But well, it gives everybody a bit of time. It could be seven seconds. <laughs> doesn't have to be. Um, it doesn't have to be. It, it should be shorter, but you know what? If you don't make it seven seconds, I'm I, I feel, I feel, on it. I feel you are... Stretching it out, <laughs> complaining about the length of the show of the, of the uh, song now, um, but that's clearly designed to give everybody a bit of time to gather their thoughts and also ease into the note section with a bit of light jazz. Uh, let's go from Mr. Finch, who was clearly like wanted to had some things to say. So uh, James Bond should have been meeting Eric Goldfinger at a different place, not just on the golf course. It's too cliche. It's full of doctors there as well. Too many doctors on the golf course. Were, were there, though? Always. Whenever I go to the golf course, there's so many. Hmm. I cannot move. They're always waiting. They go, I'm on call. I need to go to the shooting guns. And so don't put it there. Put it on one of these eight places. Number six will surprise you. Okay. Right. Okay. Number one could have met James... James Bond could have met Auric Goldfinger at the petrol station. Mm. They both have nice cars. They both might want to be there. They both might want to make their cars move. Right. Number two could have been at the ice cream shop. Who doesn't love ice cream? <laughs> ice cream parlor, they're often known as. Oh. Because an ice cream shop would just be a supermarket. Very, very What do you fancy. think Goldfinger's favourite ice cream is? Um, definitely Sherbet. I reckon it's Slero door, shop. surely. Cart door. Solero shots. Because it means gold, gold card. <laughs> Do you remember Solero shots? I think shots? it's Solero shots. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's definitely no, Solero shots. No, it's a screwball. He likes screwballs. Remember oh, them? Oh, None of these involve gold in any way. I'm just going to say. I just want to point out. His yeah, name's but... Goldfinger, and, and my favourite ice cream is a screwball <laughs> or a Solero shot. None of these are in keeping with his character, who basically, he's going to be pulling up there. In his Stop gold interrupting. Car. I'm trying to get through okay, my right, BuzzFeed right. article. All right, fine. Number three could have been at the post office. Maybe post office. maybe the boss need to send a letter. Goldfinger is like to send letters. Number four okay. could have been at the basketball arena. Number five. <laughs> How many did you say? Eight. 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 Okay. okay. But number six will surprise. Okay. Six will surprise. <laughs> yeah, you built it up. But now you've said it will surprise us. I don't know how surprised I'm going to be. Well, let's not. Let's, oh yeah, let's not, let's not step on his moment. Number five, you're right. Yeah. Number five. He could have been a plumber. Maybe Goldfinger's. Plumbing. Well, he met at a plumber. Well, he is a plumber. This is different from a change no, of location. They wait because obviously Goldfinger's plan is coming up. You know, a lot of stress, a lot of stress eating. It's going to be more use on the laboratory. And you know, you put a little wire in on all of the plumbers around mm. Goldfinger's house. So <laughs> when the plumbing goes, hello, it's me, the plumber. Bond, James Bond. <laughs> so number six. Wait, wait, wait! Can I just stop. So rather than say maybe they met at a plumber, what you meant to say was that but maybe they met. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> the location was basically they met at Goldfinger's toilet. Simply <laughs> at the door. The plumber doesn't just appear like the Sims in your toilet. <laughs> well, that would be great. Goldfinger was like, "Yeah, my toilet's all but oh shit, they're never ready." Wow, <laughs> that was suspiciously quick. Yeah, and finally, and the one that might surprise you, 
in a submarine. That's Maybe not, that didn't surprise me. The plumber one no. surprised me more. <laughs> the, the meeting at Goldfinger's toilet was more surprising. <laughs> but that's what surprising is that number six. Maybe you got the numbers wrong. Surprising. Maybe you got the numbers wrong. Like, okay, we can move some. <laughs> okay, <laughs> number six, Goldfinger's toilet, which is also made of gold as well. Number seven in the jungle. Maybe they're both trekking through the jungle and happen to see James Bond. And finally, number eight. I guess, okay, fine. This golf course should have been okay. Okay. Okay, fine. <laughs> good, good. Anybody else have any notes? Uh, no. You thought it was perfect? <laughs> you thought it was a perfect <laughs> I think it was alright. I think... <laughs> I think I would have made, just so there wasn't the controversy of Pussy Galore being turned, I would have yeah. introduced her as biflexible. Okay, alright, alright. So she still retains some of her gayness, but like, yeah. she's not completely like, like yeah. one over. I have maybe, sex with women, but Maybe I'm... make it more empowering where she's kind of like going like, well, let's see what this guy's all about. I've heard that he's meant to be pretty good with like, um, with the sex and his, his ding dong. Like, I, I, I feel that if I was going to try it with any guy, it might as well be this guy. Yeah. And then afterwards, she could have gone, eh, and made the sort of like, meh noise. Yeah. So, it's like in The Kids Are All Right. When ah. what's her face? Um, <laughs> good, good reference to a, a, a slightly forgotten Oscar nominated film. It's a great, great film. Yeah. I've, heard, I've heard good things With, about it. Uh, yeah. Juliet, what's her name? I was going to say Juliet Binoche, but it's not Juliet Binoche. It isn't. It is um, Julianne Moore. Isn't Julianne it? Moore and Mark Gruffalo. Yeah. Um, oh, I've seen that film. Okay. Mark Gruffalo. If, if um, James not Bond Ruffalo. Was... <laughs> Pretty sure it's either. I think it's no. It's Mark Gruffalo. <laughs> like, he's uh, he, he's. Don't you remember that bit in the where in the kids are all right with that big. Monster turns up and says, "I'm and has, the real dad." And has sex with Julianne uh, Moore, yeah. and then afterwards goes, "More, more, more." How do you like it? That's what should happen in the book. Yes, yeah. he's got such range, Mark Ruffalo, despite being a giant furry monster. Um, right, he plays the Hulk. Doesn't he? he does play the Hulk. Um, um, Alice, any notes from you? I have forgotten my note. That's all right. Um, How embarrassing. Um, what? Well, Look, the reason why I'm trying to like I'm, I'm moving forward because I I I've, I thought it'd be fun to. Play. Oh, I, I remembered it. Okay, all right. Yeah, I remembered my note. Um, I would introduce an interrogation scene where Bond's got Goldfinger um, tied up. Uh, <laughs> Wait, Bond has Goldfinger tied up. Yeah, yeah. Ah, and, then, and then Bond says, "Wait right here, I'll be back." And then um, he goes and he comes back with a tray. Um, <laughs> <laughs> What's in the tray? What do you think's in the tray? I'm assuming a chick of the mushroom castle. <laughs> Damn straight. Okay. Is it cold? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and inside is a Kalashnikov. <laughs> so, so, why is he... But he's playing captured. <laughs> I don't see what the uh, interrogative... But he doesn't need are. it because he can just slap him to death. <laughs> exactly. It seems simply <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> he, he comes into the tray as a. Oh, I don't need a sword. Sits down and just slaps Goldfinger to death. <laughs> and then Q comes in and says, "How did the tray work out?" 007. I didn't need it in the end. Q. I just slapped him to death. <laughs> but thanks for the stew anyway. Mmm, delicious. Um, so that's my note. But that's maybe he goes. Note. Maybe he goes onto Q. He goes, "What's this?" And then Q says to him. Don't touch that, that's my lunch! <laughs> that's my lunch! That's my lunch! Cold chicken and mushroom stew. Do you think Q ever. In a like, tray! 
makes a load of cupcakes at home and he brings them in and she's like, Bill, would you like it? this cupcake? And he's like, what's the gadget involved in this cupcake? And it's just a cake. <laughs> oh, no. I'd love it if he says, like, don't touch that, that's my lunch. And he picks up and it's actually just a gun and just starts eating this cup. <laughs> yeah, like when you go to Christmas markets, they often have those chocolates that are shaped like various things. You can have like um, yeah. grenades. No, no, it's, it's literally a cyanide capsule. So that's my lunch. I've lost the will to live, 007. Goodbye. But that's the thing, like, so there would also be a scene at the beginning where Bond goes into Q and he's like, Hi Q, what have you got for me this time, for my mission this time? And Q goes, well, take a look at this. And he pulls out a tray um, full of chicken and mushroom casserole and he says, there's a gun inside the casserole. Well, it's very realistic. this. Ow, this is my biggest gadget. The best gadget I've ever invented. And Jam Spun says, well, how, do I get the, how do I get the gun out of here? And he goes, you put your hand, you fish around inside the cold. Where is it in the casserole? I don't know. He moves around. Oh, wait, no, that actually is just my lunch. 007. So he'd be in front of the supervillain. He's casting out this, this tray all day. And the supervillain's like, ah, I'm going to shoot you. And he's like, ah, where is it? There you go. Boom! Oh no, it's a carrot. That, that was in the later, later Bond movies where Stewie clearly started to lose his mind a bit, just losing his grip on reality. Um, I wanted to um, just to wrap up today. I wanted to play a fun little game with you all, um, which I call the James Bond name game. I'm going to read you out some names, and you, I'm going to see if you can guess which ones are the real names. And which ones are fake? All right. How many are on the list? Well, we're not, we won't do any more than like seven. I think oh. this will be very quick. Which one? Let's put a point right? point based system as well. <laughs> we'll do a point based system. So, like, let's see who wins this one. So, I'm going to start with a really easy one. Honey Rider. I know that's real. You what? Sorry. I know that's real. Okay. I reckon that's real. Mr. Finch. That's <laughs> definitely real. You were correct. Honey Rider was the Bond girl in Doctor No. All right, let's toughen it up a bit. Rita Cleft. <laughs> Sorry. Fake. Fake. Fake news. Yeah? Fake? Yeah. All right. I'm going to go for a real one. You want to go for real? Yeah. You're wrong, Alice. Ah! Rita Cleft was made up, and that's two points each for Dan and... And I didn't think you'd go so obvious as to do a real one, then a fake one, then a okay. real one, then a fake one. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Just the next one's going to be fake again. Okay. Or is it going to be real? Oh. Am I double bluffing chin? Maria Freudenstein. That's real. I reckon that's... I think it's probably... He's probably chosen a real one this fake. time because I said he was going to choose a fake one again. I think it's a real one. Oh, no, maybe he'd choose a fake one because... It's best not to overthink this. <laughs> I think it's fake. I think it's real. Okay, I think real... It's... From Dan, fake from real. Mr. Finch. Real. Real from Alice. It's real! Yes. Yeah. Maria Freudenstein was a character in the, button. the novella that was um, released posthumously, The Property of a Lady, which is not a very Bond name. Okay, how about this one? Adolf Gitler. <laughs> That's fake. <laughs> real fake. Real. Fake. So fake from Dan, yeah. fake from Alice, real from Mr. Finch. 
It's real. Adolf Gitler appears in Casino Royale. So, I hope you're keeping score because I've like forgotten. I have three points. No, you don't. You have two. No, I just got that one. You did. You got three points. So that's like two points for Dan. I want three points. Three points for Dan. Three points for uh, Mr. Mr. Finch. Finch and, one, two. and two points for you. Okay. Okay, let's go for it. Plenty O'Toole. God, I bet that's real. Fake. I bet it's real. Fake real. Real. Yeah, real. real. Fake. Real. It's real. Yeah. Plenty of tool was in Diamonds Are Forever. You could, you, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, one more. One more. Okay, we better make it. Will it surprise one. us? Yeah, it might surprise Sylvia <laughs> Trench. That's not real. I bet it's fake. Real as as the day of the zoom moon. So how much? Who's going for real? Who's going for fake? Real and real. Fake. Fake. fake, fake. It's real. Sylvia Trench was oh, in you Doctor guys No. Drew, you drew. Oh well, well that was um. It's tougher than it looks. It's a tough one, isn't it? Let's do a game every week. I d- I would love someone's to at the door. Who's, oh, who's there? Who's there? Who's there? Hi, I'm Steve. Oh, for fuck's oh, sake. Steve, hello. Oh, come on. I just want to drop him. Steve comes so late. Where have you brought the Queen Mother, Michael Jackson, and Terry Vaughan with you? Shit. Dan, Dan, get rid of Steve Koenig for me. Dan. No, don't. I said get rid of him. I said get rid of him and not have a fit. Alish, get me my casserole. <laughs> Ah, now we get some business. Where did, Alice, where did you produce that casserole from? You just reached under the table. I got my gun out. I found the gun now. Okay, all right. Steady on there. Steady on. That's really gross. The gun is just <laughs> dripping chicken casserole all over the place. There's an onion stuck in it. God, that's really gross. Um, okay, well... Uh, oh, oh, no. He shot me with a gun. I have been shot. I didn't even hear it. <laughs> I had a silence. <laughs> it was a silence. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a right so and so. On this special episode of Bram Flake's The Abortion Podcast oh, crossover. No. <laughs> with me, Steve Koenig, and my friend, Mr. Finch. Hello. <laughs> well, do you want to. I mean, we're, we're, almost, we're almost done here, everybody. I, just, I guess, like, you can. Do you want to. Do you want to. Take us out with your... Steve Koenig's died. Steve, thanks for coming. What? No, Steve Koenig hasn't died. Wait, wait, hold on a second. Well, okay. Can somebody... Steve, <laughs> Steve, wake up. Steve, oh, he's... Oh, hi, I'm back again. <laughs> hey, Steve. Steve, thanks for coming. I know you will get my text message. I want you to talk to you about 1978 uh, NBA scores. Um, what was the score between uh, Pittsburgh and and Dwight's fine? Uh, it was 7-2. Oh, yes, it was, it was, it's so good. <laughs> Pretty low scoring. Seven game. two. That was the match when they all broke their hands. Yeah. <laughs> they, they came out, and then a guy with a casserole dish came in and shot them all in the hands. <laughs> and they oh. only managed, to, they still managed to score seven points. Just <laughs> using their heads. Shot them all in their hands! How did that man, the casserole, just make it past all the security and just well, he, shoot he them all in their hands? He said, I've got a casserole for the basketball players. <laughs> For after the game, they might want a casserole. And they didn't think that was suspicious in any way. They thought it, they thought it was very real. 
Actually, yeah, I heard that is what actually happened is that everybody thought he was just a vendor. <laughs> so he'd be like, roll up, roll up, get your casseroles, get your fresh casserole, get your casserole. And then he walked all the way down onto the court, goes clap, clap, clap. And then carried on moving into the middle of the court. Umi, Umi, Umi drops the casserole, hand in the casserole. He was such a good shot, he managed to only shoot them all in the hands. <laughs> <laughs> and, then he, and then he ran away, and they're like, well, the game's got to, the show must go on. And everybody just watched all of these men rising in pain in the middle of the... <laughs> they still managed to score seven <laughs> points in two. Did the man, the Castro, try get away? Yeah, he's, and he's here today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was me. <laughs> what a tease you fellas are. That's, but that's how like, you committed the crime. Does actually sound like you assaulted someone. Yeah, it was 30, 40 years ago. A very special ago. episode of Brown Flakes where we solved the mystery of the casserole shooting. With me, Steve Koenig, and my good friend... Master Farnish. And my other good friend... Well, I'm not re- we're not friends, but yeah. And my other good friend... Alice Burden. And my other good friend, Dan Offen. <laughs> Welcome to Brown Flakes, and goodbye. Well, thank well, you goodbye. very much for that. Um, we had a brown flag. This I'll is the longest now. podcast. Bye, 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 bye Steve. Uh, okay, no, Steve's I will, gone. Actually, Steve, before you go, I want to say oh. one thing. Um, oh, okay, thank you so much for coming to the live show. Oh, oh thanks, thanks for having uh, me. I, I mean, this is the first episode we've done post the live show. I, I would like to thank everybody who actually turned up to the live show and saw us. It was a lot of fun, and I hope to do it again very soon. Um, Not too soon. Not too soon because, like, oh, we're all very busy people, and obviously we still need to work some things out in terms of like a, well, just the show itself. We don't we still don't know what we're doing with the show? Number of microphones. Um, number of microphones would be very important. But yeah, again, thank you so much for everybody who came to the show, and hopefully we'll do another one very soon. I guess we're going to wrap things up now. Um, does anybody want to say anything to plug anything? Um. Doing a show in an hour, I've got no axe. <laughs> Anyone who wants to travel back in time and <laughs> appear for 10 minutes on Cafe Moan tonight. Yeah, that'd be good, yeah. I'm emceeing Party Piece on Tuesday. Uh, so there's that. And I'm doing some What about stuff. D&D? I thought you had D&D on Tuesday. No, it's cancelled. They're in Amsterdam. Um, um, so Party Piece and the new one, like a uh, new Disney People's Park Tavern. That's piece. so far away from me. Ah. Move it back to where you were if you yeah. listen to this. Um, so yeah, uh, if <laughs> any time travels over, tight ten. Why don't you give us a bell? I'll accept a loose ten. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you so much to everybody who's joined me today for this lovely and fascinating conversation about Goldfinger. Um, I hope to jo- I hope you all join me again next week where we'll be discussing another book. Until then, my name's Shinsi. Keep supporting your local bookstores and libraries. Bye bye. I love you. He's not the first He's not the first But he's the second best secret agent In the whole wide world Not number one But not the worst He's just the second best secret agent In the whole wide world He's every bit as good as what's his name with a dame any dame and all those bullet holes are in his vest